Okay, let's see. Boy, what, what do we need to recap uh, before we jump into all the other stuff? Um, congrats to uh, Zionsville on a good football season. I really thought that game was going to go differently Friday night. So uh, that was kind of a bummer. Um, on a bright note, you can cheer for your Lutheran team, Lutheran High School 1. Um, so they advanced to the uh, sub-state. Or Final Four, as we explain that to our kids uh, next week. So that's kind of exciting. Um, Colts play today at 1, I think, right, at home. Any of you going to the game? No game attenders here. Going to sit at home in the comfort of your recliner. Okay, weather's not too bad. Okay. Raise your hand if you went hunting yesterday, first day of rifle season. Hey, yeah. I just raised my hand with you too, John. Yeah, we had a good time yesterday. Shot my first Indiana deer. I'm not going to show you pictures because it's not very big. But food for the freezer, so we're still, I'm going to help John chase his 30-point uh, buck he's got roaming around his property. They wrote a song about that deer of yours, by the way. Okay, good to be with you here today. So we are uh, continuing to study the saving truth, uh, doctrine for lay people, uh, by Reverend Dr. Kurt Marquart. Uh, pastor and professor uh, who now rests uh, from his labors in heaven. We'll see him again. And we're on page 91 of the book book. If you got the Kindle edition, you'll just have to find it on your own. Um, Benefit or power of baptism. So just a little bit of a warning. If you haven't, if you don't have the book and, and, and um, just so you know what's coming, if you've read the book, you'll, you'll catch some of this. He dives into a little more of the catechism here at the end of this chapter. So you'll be uh, hearing a little bit of what uh, Luther had to say regarding baptism. So some of this will, will come back to you uh, from memory. So enough about that. Let's get to it. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, the benefit or power of baptism, page 91. So various churches hold basically two views of baptism, according to what we might call the low or empty view. Baptism is essentially an act of obedience on our part. It amounts to a sign, symbol, or picture which gives nothing It reminds us of the new birth, God's grace, and the like, but these must actually be obtained in some other way. And so in this view, baptism is essentially law, not gospel. So this view is taught by the Baptistic churches, but not only by them. Now, he's kind of painting with a broad brushstroke. So some of you that have come out of uh, some of the, you know, reform backgrounds, we might say, um, would have some little different insights into this, right? So when we get kind of on the reform side of things, which is a very simplistic way of kind of dividing it up, right? So you've got kind of, you know, Lutheran in the middle and reformed on the right or the left, and then Roman Catholic on the other side, right? Um, And we know that's not a completely fair representation, um, but in terms of kind of trying to look at where our teachings have come from historically, um, you know, you're you're really talking about sacramental and not sacramental, right? In other words, does baptism do anything? That's kind of the question, right? Is baptism just a sign or a symbol of my commitment? Is it just an outward thing or is it really an inner thing as well, right? Um, So, you know, (sighs) Charles Wesley, for example, John and I were talking about this yesterday in the, in the deer blind, and, uh, and uh, he turns to me, and, 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 I, and I love it with, with, when lay people, you know, uh, interrupt having a good time with uh, deep theology. And no, I really do, John. We had, we had a great time. I'm, <laughs> do it again. And I don't know what we were talking about. It might have been in between of trying to keep our eyes awake, and I think he turns to me and he says, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, did you know that that Wesley was actually in favor of having, you know, communion every Sunday. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I had heard that, okay? Now, the, now, his reasons would probably be a little bit different, right? So, so obviously, you know, Wesley, uh, break off now from the Church of England, which was a break off from, from Rome, literally, um, you know, King Henry and the many wives, 
you know, and all that stuff. So you guys know all that, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, there's something there, but, but why? Sh- should we have communion every Sunday because Jesus says, take, eat, take, drink? So is it, just, is, it in, is it just law in the sense of, okay, he says do it, so the more obedient I am, then the more blessed I am, okay? Or on the other side of it, do I really believe in communion, for example, that something is happening, that I'm actually receiving something, and I'm such a terrible, horrible, poor, miserable sinner, I really need, desire, and want what's given. See the difference? Um, so, and, and, and first, early service people connect the dots a little bit. Pastor had an excellent sermon this morning in terms of what is forgiveness, um, where does that stem from, who does it start with, um, and so when you start to do that with word and sacrament, when it starts with you, you've already started to kind of go off <laughs> the narrow path, right? Uh, you've, you've already started down a, diff- a different, uh, you know, a, a different direction. And so, so to get back to words mean what they say and words give and do what they say, especially in terms of God's word, uh, that, that's a whole different thing. The other view, he writes, next paragraph of baptism, which might be termed high or full, is confessed in Luther's small catechism. Baptism, and let's read it together. Most of you should have this memorized. Works forgiveness of sins rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of declare. So you get three things in baptism. Number one, you get forgiveness of sins. Number two, rescues from death and the devil, right? So there's actually protection now um, from death. There's a promise, there's scripture we can go to where God says now in your baptism um, that you will live L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y, right? You know, I, so I am a C, I am a C-H. Um, so how do I know that? Baptized, been given his name. So you've been, literally been given the name Christ in your baptism. So it's, it's a naming, okay, that's taking place. Um, there's protection from the devil. So there's a lot of stuff about that as well. Um, and, that, and that's part of what Paul is getting into with putting on the whole armor of God. So when you talk about putting on the whole armor of God and you don't talk about baptism, I would say you're missing some great connections from Scripture, okay, about being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So all of it is the righteousness of Christ, Christ who is the Word. You can't have armor of God without Jesus, and I would also say you, you, you really can't start to talk about true armor if you're not going to talk about baptism. It's kind of like going down to the Ark Encounter. You've been to the Ark. You heard me mention this, some of you, a few times now when we went this summer. And wonderful, beautiful. I'd be just, wow. Um, what a great job they did. Uh, history, information, even telling different sides of the story on something. But one thing they completely left out, absolutely no mention of baptism anywhere in that museum. And I walked through the whole thing, and I read everything. So unless they've put a new exhibit up since I was down there, no connection to baptism in the ark, right? So Scripture is very clear on that, right? Baptism now saves you. Just as Noah and his family, eight souls and all, were saved by means of the big honking boat, so baptism now saves you. How do you miss that one? Okay, how do you not talk about baptism Um, And how do you not talk about the washing in the Red Sea of God's people? That's baptismal talk, right? And so it's completely devoid of that, okay? And of course, Ken Ham is going to do that because he comes from the Baptistic tradition, right? Okay, so he believes the Word of God created the whole world, and he's absolutely right on that. And love him to death for all of his work on creation. That's why we use some of that stuff, okay? Shake my head and go, what in the world? How do you not believe that the Word of God can do the same thing now through baptism, right? Or through the Lord's Supper. (laughs) If the Word can create the whole world, how can the body and blood of Jesus not be where Jesus says it is? Or how can baptism not give forgiveness of sins, not rescue from death and the devil, not give eternal salvation to all who believe this? (sighs) Right? And so... We love each other as Christians. We recognize that, you know, um, it's not just Missouri Synod Lutherans that are going to heaven, right? So if you're in that camp, you need to come talk to me or Pastor Grady. It's about faith, 
okay? Um, and it's about chasing down now the truth of Scripture and letting the Holy Spirit have his way with you as well, and sometimes trying to get your brain uh, and background out of the way, okay? Any comments of that before we go on to the next paragraph? Anybody got any good baptism stories they want to tell? Non-Lutheran? Okay. Good. Okay, you're ready to go. Let's go. Which of these two opposing views is taught in the Bible? So if we were to classify relevant baptismal texts of the New Testament in a two-column table representing the two different understandings, we would find that all the texts belong in the high or full column and not a single one in the low or empty column. So all the texts in this table teach, uh, teach not that baptism only means or signifies something or the other, but that it actually offers or gives something, right? It gives forgiveness. It gives the new birth. It gives the Holy Spirit. It gives salvation. So baptism is into forgiveness, not into symbols of it, okay? And do you have the chart? Let's see if you, oh boy, that's tiny. Here, I'm going to read them for you. Just leave that up for now. Well, you're going to do something crazy with it because you're a young kid that knows how to work technology. That's fine. So the, I'm just going to start going through the verses, and once he gets up there, and these are Professor Marquardt's translations. I've, kind of, I've looked a little bit of the Greek here on his translations, and, and I like what he's done with this. So the, the high or the full view, that is God's action, meaning baptism as real gift, okay? Uh, so the gospel, you're not going to be able to figure it out, are you? Okay. Uh, John 3, verse 5, unless someone is born again out of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So that's Jesus' conversation with who? Do you remember the story, John 3? Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? Ruling, ruling member um, of the, uh, well, he was sad, well, he was Sadducee, wasn't he? Wasn't he a Sadducee? I don't have my Bible open in front of me, right? He always, he was like... You remember the little kid song, the Sadducees, they're sad, oh, you see. Okay, yeah, I always thought that was a funny one. So unless someone is born again, Jesus says, out of water and the Spirit. So he's talking to Nicodemus, and, and uh, you know, a man must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born again, right? He can't enter back into his mama's tummy. Um, that's just kind of weird. And uh, Jesus says, unless someone is born again out of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, okay? Um, so the out of there is what's unique in, in his translation. Acts 2, verse 38, here's another passage. Be baptized into the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, so the Greek word there, into the forgiveness of your sins, so is a placement of... Um, trying to think of how to explain some of this for you English speakers. Um, in, 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 in the Greek language, there's a lot of emphasis that is placed on um, the, the where, if you will, of the verb. I'm trying to explain this in as simple a way as, I po as possible, right? So when you say be baptized, you know, in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, a better, more literal translation would be into the name, right? So it's not just being baptized in the sense of using the name, but that when you're baptized, that, that, you know, you are actually, that name is placed into you and you into it. So there is actually a change of location. Are you, fo are you following with me a little bit, right? Um, so, you know, my name is on this cup, right? Um, but now I have placed coffee into the cup. What's the difference? One's located on the, and one's located on the right, okay? So when we talk about baptism in terms of into, right, God's name has now not just marked you on the outside, right, which we can't even, we can't even see that, can you? So, but it, it, there's now a change of, of, of substance or, or there's, there's something brand new that wasn't there before. That might be a better way of saying it, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God. You already have a heart. So what needs to happen? Your existing heart needs to be cleansed, right? And renew a right spirit within me. Why do you need to renew a right spirit within me? Because you were born with a wrong spirit, which is why at the beginning of every baptism, we actually have an exorcism. Did you know that? 
Some of you might have grown up years ago with the older baptismal rites, and we actually had our oldest son, Malachi. We used Luther's uh, 15, ah, 13, that sounds too early, his very first baptismal rite. And, and three times, I adjure you, you unclean spirit, right, to come out of this child in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three times. The evil spirit is commanded to come out of the child. And you're like, whoa, there's an evil spirit in my kid? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It didn't work. (laughs) Oh, that might be the funniest thing I've ever heard in Bible class. Ah. We should do that sometimes when the kids are acting up. <laughs> it didn't work. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and this is why the Jews, you know, want to string up Jesus and drive him off a cliff and, you know, throw rocks and sticks and stones at him, you know, when he says your father is the devil. So, when we talk about being, you know, our original sin, when you talk about being a saint and a sinner at the same time, you know, that sinner part of you is always there. You, 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 don't, you don't get rid of that. That's, that's part of your nature. That's stuck to your DNA. You can't, you can't get rid of that. So, so, so let's stop talking about this, you know, you know, holified, sanctified types of living, thinking that you can climb the ladder and keep being a better and better Christian. With the help of the Holy Spirit, yes, there are things that the Lord will help you overcome, uh, perhaps addictions and changes of behavior. There is certainly a growing in maturity, but at the same time, you remain just as much of a sinner as the day you were born, right? And that's something that's very distinct, um, you know, and the, 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 we're kind of stuck with the term, you know, in, in terms of Lutheran theology. And you see some tenets throughout some other denominations as well, uh, but it's, it's very important that we understand the simile, right? Saint and sinner at the same time, and why we need baptism, why our kids need it, why, why uh, you know, we want it for our grandchildren, why we want it for... You know, people driving by on the street. We want them to learn and hear and receive these gifts, okay? Um, Acts 22, verse 16. Is that as big as you can get it, sonny boy? Okay. Be baptized and wash away your sins, right? So, so be baptized and wash away your sins, right? I mean, how do you, how do you wash away sins, right? So, so obviously when we're talking about baptism, and we covered a little bit of this last week, baptism simply means to apply water. So... Were there baptisms in the Old Testament? Yes, in terms of washing with water. Think of the ceremonial washing. There was a basin as well. Uh, You want to learn a little bit more about this? We're starting a new Bible study on Wednesdays on the book of Leviticus. So come join us from 9.30 to 11 and uh, every uh, Wednesday morning. And uh, we're going to be rolling uh, through Leviticus. Um, And, uh, of course, uh, Leviticus now are God's prescriptions following everything that he gave in the Exodus. So God's people rescued out of Egypt um, and taken to Mount Sinai. Glory of God descends upon the mountain. I'm going to do this really quickly. Uh, They don't want to go up the mountain. Moses goes up for them. He's God's servant, a pastor, if you will. Um, And God gives the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down, and the people have melted down all of their nipple rings, belly button rings, ear rings, watches, you name it, and made a golden calf, okay? Uh, made an image of a golden calf, which, of course, is specifically uh, 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 God has prohibited. So now they're worshiping this golden calf, thinking this golden calf can save them because they want a God they can control. They want a God they can see on their terms. They want It's not going to make them afraid. And you can kind of let that last sentence I gave you sink in a little bit. I, I think some people, when they when they you know, run uh, either to different churches or, let me rephrase that in the sense that, um, you know, why, to me, I would question why people would leave liturgical churches, you know, and go to, you know, churches that just have, you know, a band concert, right, which, which I love music and, and, and play, you know, drums myself, um, you know, what's so appealing about it, and some of it, I think, is simply, God's not as scary, <laughs> Or we can fashion God into kind of whoever we want. So there is a holiness and a reverence and an awe that comes with 
you know, recognizing God for who he is. And also, when his word is properly preached, you know, you should hear his law. You know, we heard it very clearly this morning from Pastor Grady, late service people just for it. Your, your sin will be identified in terms of what you do and how you deal with people. And at the same time, if that's identified, then that should, that should make you a little uneasy. It should make you think about how you lead your daily life, you know, what you've done and what you haven't done and what you've left undone. And then from there, you're led to the, you're led there. You're led to the one who prayed from the cross while he himself was nailed up there, struggling to breathe, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he who shed his blood now to redeem you, a lost and condemned creature. So he who did all that so that you could have, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. So through all of his work now for you uh, and what he has done, he now comes and brings these things. And, and, and those just become mine. They become your life. They become what you want to hear and what you want to receive. And, and when you recognize that, your baptism actually means something to you. And you're like, I need my baptism. I need it every day. You know, I need the body and blood of Jesus and the bread and the wine, right? I need to hear the words that Jesus speaks through the mouths of, of even my goofy pastors. I forgive you all your sins, right? Um, and so, you know, that, that's the... That's the, the, the the clean heart and the new spirit in you, you know. So, you know, so back to that whole thing, you know, which, <laughs> you know, I grew up with Sylvester and Tweety Bird and Putty Tat, right, and all the old cartoons. And so it was always just a little Sylvester. There was an angel Sylvester on one shoulder and, and a devil Sylvester on the other shoulder, you know. And so for me, and the younger kids don't get this when I say it today, but I can say it to you, you know, which Sylvester are you, are you feeding, Right. And, of course, the, the common thing now through most of our media and a little bit of literature is which wolf are you feeding, the good wolf or the bad wolf, the good Sylvester or the bad Sylvester. So, you know, your new spirit needs to be fed as well, and, that, and that's part of, of what we do in coming to church and receiving the Lord's gift, okay? Um, and even for little children, they don't recognize that yet, do they? So, so you know, um, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, okay? Um, I mean, if they get ridiculously out of hand... Take them out, spank them, give them goldfish crackers, whatever you need to do, um, but bring them back. And, and they're going to be noisy. And to be honest, that doesn't bother me a bit. That's a healthy church. So if you've got young kids and, and you're all bent out of shape because, oh, oh you know, um, go sit by my boys. They'll help you. <laughs> um, and because they were that way, and, and I think they do a pretty good job sitting still in church now, don't they? Mom, okay, all right, they've gotten, see? So, yeah, all right, let's move on here. Okay, Romans 6, 4, we have been buried together with him through baptism into death. So, have been, this, this, is, this, is, this is, 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 is reality, we have been buried together with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we likewise might walk in newness of life, Okay? Um, so, yeah, we take this and say, yeah, buried with Christ. How? Connected with him. Doesn't mean you were literally buried six feet under, right? Uh, you know, with dirt on top of you. Maybe you have some of those crazy dreams about being buried alive. Uh, but because of your connection to Christ, because of what's been put into you and, and on you, how you've been covered now, uh, there, is a, there, is a, there is a connection there. Right, um, and you can't you can't ignore that, right? So I used to sell years before I became a pastor. Used to sell window treatments, right? You know that. And we 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 manufactured plantation shutters as our specialty. We did blinds. One of my biggest sales pitches that I would give to people was a simple explanation of heat transfer on their windows, right? And I would explain you know how the cold and the heat would get into their windows and the difference between the products, right? So you'd have kind of, kind of, kind of three main ways that you would get heat uh, and and cold, and you'd have transfer of all that. You would you'd have conduction, right? So conduction is literally the the the, the transfer within the material. So put your hand to a cold window. Some windows don't feel very cold on the inside, 
right? They might be double-paned or triple-paned or they got the argon gas stuff. I'm not even up on it. I've been a pastor for almost 20 years now. So this is all 20-year-old technology, right? Um, you know, in older windows, you put your hand to the glass and, you know, you got to pull it off because it's either hot or cold, right? So that, that, that's kind of conduction. The second thing is there is the radiation, which is why they'll sell you f uh, uh, windows with what on it? We used to do window film back then. Now they make windows with this stuff, right? Uh, so it's, it's filtered, so you've got 99.9% .9 of the UV light, so your floors aren't going to fade, right? So the sunlight, the radiate, the engineers are sitting over here just looking at me. Is he going to do this right? Right? And so, you know, so the sunlight that comes in, and that's gonna, that can heat up the air in the room as well, and obviously that, that's where you go to that. So, so you've got conduction, you've got radiation, and then anybody want to know what the third thing is? It's what you get for me in Bible class. You get a lot of hot air. <laughs> it's convection. Do you want to add that, Chuck? Chuck, what is it? Okay, I got it right. Okay, all right. See, I knew all the engineers were just wondering if I was going to get there. So, so convection, so the way the windows then seal up, right? So you've got all these factors now that affect that. And so the sales pitch was, very simply, you know, if you're worried about those three things, you want to save money on your, you know, in your room, you want to protect your nice furniture, your floors, and all that stuff, then we need to get you the best product that's going to stop all three of those things, correct? Okay, now the best product happens to be the most expensive, <laughs> okay, not necessarily the largest markup, um, and, and those would be plantation shutters, specifically synthetic ones. Now I've sold you on plantation shutters, haven't I? And, um, and, but that worked for a lot of people because they, they wanted those things. So if God offers you, and here, here's, the, here's the bait and switch, right? <laughs> so if God says, okay, in baptism, your name gets written down for the family inheritance. You get added to the family tree. In baptism, you get buried with Christ and a promise to rise with him, meaning you will have a resurrection just like his. In baptism, you have a promise that the devil is going to is, is, is gonna, is gonna be, you're going to be protected from the devil, right? And, 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 and you've got protection now that God is going gonna, is gonna to give to you. You have all these things. Don't you want those? Don't you want those for your children? Okay? And so when Scripture actually promises that, when you have a product that can deliver, right, what's being sold, then you're like, okay, <laughs> I want that. And not only that, it's, it doesn't cost you anything, <laughs> which maybe is where some people, what? I get all that for free? I don't have to put that on a 12-month, 12 12-month, 12 you know, no-interest payment plan like I do all the time at Best Buy for, you know, you got, you know, some of you do that. So, yeah, it's all free. And I, and I think that that concept of God's complete grace, mercy, the, tr the real true gospel that he freely gives all this, bewilders us, us Westerners, because we feel we've got we've to work for it, we've got to earn it, we've got to pay for it in some way, we've got to do our part, put on your American boots, you know, and, and get to work. And, and Jesus says, <laughs> already done. Here, here, here's all of it, okay? All right, questions or comments? A couple more verses, and we'll get back here into the book. Do, 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 nothing? Okay, you're either bored or you're actually learning something. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.11, but you have been washed, you have been sanctified, you have been justified. So these are all realities now that are taking place. 1 Corinthians 12.13, for in one spirit we have all been baptized into one body. So baptism now connects you to a larger body. That's the body of Christ. All those in faith, all those who have been baptized, regardless of of, of, of skin color, regardless of, of race, ethnicity, any of those things, regardless of, of um, well, <laughs> I would say even denomination, the body of Christ. It's about faith, okay? Um, uh, where am I at? Okay, Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify her. Her, of course, is the church. So the church is the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. Um, and that's why uh, marriages now, earthly marriages of a husband and wife, are a picture of Christ and his bride, the church. Um, and so that's how we need to counsel and look at our marriages uh, accordingly. Um, that he might sanctify her by cleansing her by means of the bath of the water in the word. 
okay? And I love his literal translation here uh, because most of your Bibles will just simply put, you know, washing. Um, but the more literal is, is, is by the bath of the water in the Word. And that's where he's going to go now in the rest of the chapter is talk about the water and the Word and how that works together. Colossians 2.12, having been buried together with him in baptism, so there's the burial talk again, in which you've also been raised together with him through faith. So you've already been raised with him to new life. Now, have you had a resurrection yet in your body? No, you await that, right? In the same way that when was judgment day for you? We don't have 7th and 8th graders in here. We just covered that this last week. When, when, when were you judged? Have you been judged yet? Let me back up. Yes, you have. Where were you judged? If Christ took all your sins upon himself at the cross... And the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, was sacrificed there upon the cross, paid for it there, and God the Father accepted the sacrifice, and you're connected to him through baptism and through faith, where's judgment day for you? That's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified. See, a lot of people miss that. Okay, now, where the, will there still be a judgment day? Of course there will be, okay? But when you get up there, you know, as the jokes go, waiting in the long line in front of St. Peter's uh, gates, right? Um, And they'll mostly be uh, golfers and lawyers and doctors. (laughs) That's how the jokes work, right? Um, And so you'll be standing in line. And when you get up standing before, you know, St. Peter, uh, and he'll pull out this big, you know, Santa's naughty list, right? And, And start reading off, you know, all of your deeds, because everything you've done is recorded, Scripture says. And there, there's a record of all that you and I have done. Then what's going to happen? So in the midst of that whole process, right, Jesus basically is going to intervene, okay? There's two ways we could probably explain this. So this is all extra-biblical assumption here, okay? So don't, don't skin me alive over this, right? But Jesus is going to say, hey, I've got, I've got him, I've got her, Right? Uh, they're, they're, they're good, right? And then he's going he's gonna to give you that wonderful pass that you can get at Universal Studios that allows you to go right to the head of the line, which is really good if you're going to do all the Harry Potter rides, which is what all the kids want to go on. Get that fast pass, right? Some of you know what I mean. Because otherwise you'd be waiting in line like an hour or two, right? And so Jesus basically takes you and, and everything now that he is is credited to you. Everything that he's done, okay? Um, Another way of saying it, and and I almost like this one better. Um, Now, now, now keep in mind, we're we're just, we're dealing with kind of a a large concept here. Um, The other thing is that when you are looked upon by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or by the judge, that all they will see is Jesus. Got that? So you're covered with the righteousness of Christ. So you now, though, though you are a sinner, <laughs> right, are now, now welcomed in. Now, obviously, at Judgment Day, you will have left your physical body behind, right? Uh, so your, your, your physical body, um, but uh, you are, you're covered by the righteousness of Christ. So God will only see you and the righteousness of Jesus, okay? So yes, there will still be a, a Judgment Day. Um, and there will be a separation of sheep and goats, those who have faith and those who do not. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's lots of stuff we could get into the, from there, but let's not. Any questions on that? Or you like, just get on to something else because you're just making it difficult for me to understand. Titus 3.5, you should know this one. It's in our catechism as well. He saved us through the bath, the bath of rebirth and of renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, so not just... Not just washing, but a, but, a, but, a, but a bath, right, in entirety, okay? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a shower guy. I like hot tubs. Um, you know, may, maybe we'll get one one day. But, um, you know, there's something about taking a bath or when you go swimming. Did you say something? Okay. I'm getting older. I'm a little creaky. Um. Oh, funny thing, I introduced, my brother was in town for a day this last week, and I, I introduced him to someone, and, uh, and this person asked me, older or younger? And I said, I said, what do you think? And, and, and this person said, oh, 
yeah, he's, he's definitely older. <laughs> he's like four years, my brother's like four years younger than me. That made me feel really good. <laughs> okay. First uh, Peter 3.21, last passage. Baptism being the antitype, which is the fulfillment of the flood water, now saves you also through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Baptism being the antitype. Yeah, you can't read that up there. Fulfillment of the flood water, thou saves you also through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? So baptism saves you. That's the short and simple translation you get in your Bibles. There's a little more to it. You look on the right side of it. Let's finish this up. The lower, the empty view of baptism, okay? Where in Scripture do we get anything that emphasizes baptism in terms of man's action or that it's just symbolic or that it's a, it's a picture, and, and we don't, okay? Um, the, the language is very literal. Now, does Scripture talk about things that are man's action, a picture, reminder in other ways? Yes, it does. Absolutely it does, okay? Um, so why doesn't it talk that way for baptism? And that's a good place to start when you start you know, maybe talking with, with some of your friends that really haven't been raised sacramentally speaking, meaning that baptism and the Lord's Supper really do anything. Um, it's just, just start unpacking Scripture and, and I give you some resources for this. Well, your catechism is a good one, okay? All right, uh, 93, let's get back into it. Any questions or comments here? Nothing? Okay. Yep, sorry, I didn't see you. Okay, so the question for those uh, listening here uh, online um, is, let me, let me... <laughs> My brain is horrible. How do you address the questions? That's all I got. <laughs> okay, so all the promises that baptism gives us. Got it? Okay. Oh, ooh, okay. All right, taking a different road here. So... How do you address that with the promise of you can fall away from your faith? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this one really simply. And I'm going to give you a, um, a story that Jesus tells about the wedding banquet. Okay? So the wedding garment, you ready for this, that Jesus gives to get into the banquet hall is baptism. That's the robe of his righteousness. Okay? So in order to get in to enjoy the wedding feast, you've got to have a wedding garment. Okay, um, and so he gives you he gives you everything you need to wear, um, and you're in there. And the master of the banquet is going around shaking hands. Hey, thanks for coming to my daughter's wedding today. Yeah, not a past boyfriend, I hope. Okay, good to meet you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So she's going around, you know, welcoming everybody. And oh, what happened to your gift that I gave you? Everyone's supposed to be wearing. Their wedding banquet. That was that. That's the price of admission. Yeah. At some point, this guy that's in the banquet has taken off his baptismal garment, his wedding garment, and he did something with it. Shoved it in the trash can in the bathroom, right? Dumped it out the window. Kicked it under the you know the banquet table, right? Um, and uh, and the guy has nothing to say because what can he say? That's what he's chosen to do. He's chosen to reject the gift, and he really doesn't want to be part of the banquet. And so what does the master of the banquet do? Throw him out into the streets where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, uh, yes. There, let me... <laughs> Correct. Correct. Not even the devil can take it from you. He'll tempt you, but the Lord will only tempt you beyond what you can bear, 1 Corinthians 10. Right? So Paul writes, Lord will not tempt you beyond what you can bear, and when you are tempted, he will provide a way out that you can stand up under it. Okay? I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Right? So you, the only thing that you can do, you can't choose to accept Christ. You can't, you know, lay down your cross halfway across the ravine or start building the bridge so Jesus will build from the other half. He'll see all your hard work and dedication. You are such a sinner that you're stuck 
with sin, death, and hell. But Jesus comes across to get you. He does all that work for you. And guess what? Now that he's done that for you, he has good use for you. There's good works for you to do, right? So it's not just I'm saved, I can do whatever the H-E double hockey sticks I want to do. Okay? Um, so, so you can only choose to reject. Try that one on. That's what I would say. The only choice you can make when God comes through his powerful, life-giving, creative word, the only choice you've got is to, to reject. Take it off. Walk away from it. Okay? Um, and so that's why it saddens us, I think, and I, I'm sure all of you have family and friends that are this way that have stopped going to church or stopped talking about their faith or they're living daily in sin and, you know, we want the best for them. You know, we're trying not to live their lives for them, right? But, but we know what Scripture says about the dangers of that, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so we pray and, and we, do, we, we do the best we can, but ultimately, you know, ultimately we just have to trust in God's grace and mercy and, and, and pray that they don't reject. That's a hard place to be, right? So when we end up with the big fat question mark, then we repeat Scripture to ourselves. The Lord, say it with me, is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We, we go back to the gospel every single time. God is gracious and merciful. And I don't understand this right now. I've done everything I can, but, but Lord, you are a God who desires all to be saved. And I'm not going to jump into your shoes and try and start picking who's going to be saved or I'm going to put it on my shoulders that I saved someone or I did this. You know, uh, if you're going to boast, you boast in the Lord, Paul writes. Not in, oh, you know, look at how I've given my life for Christ and look at everything I've done for this person, how many souls I've saved and da da da, da you know. Or, and don't have preachers come and tell you, well, what are you all doing sitting here today, here in God's Word? There's souls out there that need saving. And every minute that you sit in here and listen to, to my goofy talk and all of my antics, there's people going to hell. And you better get up out of your seats and get out there and get to work. Why are you sitting here all gathered together with your Christian friends, eating donuts and drinking coffee? Because that's the other thing that, that, that sells, and that's false theology. Because the Holy Spirit is the unseen worker. Now, should we be concerned about? Yes. Right? But, but evangelism primarily is God's work. Secondly, God promises to work properly, evangelism properly, through the church, which is word and sacrament. This is what I didn't get as a young pastor, even as a young Christian. I didn't get that, right? I just kept wrestling with, I got to do more. You know, I'm really going to, I'm really going to work for Jesus. I got to keep, you know, and then you just end up driving yourself nuts because when do you ever do enough? And you feel guilty about, you know, going deer hunting, right? Or doing all this other stuff and you end up being a workaholic, I'm going to save the world type of person. And, and, and Jesus has done all the saving <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is a powerful worker unseen force. And even through you, Scripture says, just doing your job, doing what God has given you to do, being a husband, being a wife, being a mom, being a dad, being an engineer, being a student, the people will see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. So your job is not to go out and be an evangelist or a missionary. Your job, first and foremost, is to be who God has created you to do and what he's given you to do. Now, as you have opportunity, right, Okay? God might place you in some wonderful spots where you have a chance to, you know, give testimony to your faith, right? But that's not your primary job at school or at work to be a little missionary, okay? Your job is to do your job. Do your job and get it done right. Matter of fact, you might get fired if you talk about your faith. In some places, is that fair? You might, you know, be so busy trying to, you know, bring people to Jesus that you fail to do what you've been hired to do. And you should get fired then for that, Okay? So, so it's, it's a balancing act. I'm not saying don't share your faith. I'm not saying don't think about those things. Don't do that. But I'm thinking it's primary. 
So same thing with evangelism. Primarily, evangelism is word and sacrament. Which why for me, when we talk about evangelism in the church, the, the, the best thing that we can do is invite people to church and make sure that we also are publicly recognized or at least out there, right? So if I talk to people in my neighborhood or in Zionsville and, and they ask me what I do, I'm pastor at Advent Lutheran Church. The next thing I say is, have you heard of Advent? And I found a lot of people that haven't. And then I tell them where it's at. Oh, that's the white church over there. I didn't even know what kind of church that was. Had no idea. Right? So we've got a little better job to do. You can call it advertising if you want. It's, it kind of is. It kind of is. It's name recognition. So how do we do that? How do we, you know, share and, and get out? And, and that's important to do. It's not primary. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But, but that's stuff we need to do. Okay? Website could be a little better. We've got things we've been working on. Okay. All right. Did, did I get your question? Wow. That was like 20 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> oh, you have a question. Oh, good question. Good question. Oh, I really don't want to answer that one. <laughs> so, yes, you, don't, you, you, can, you can be saved without being baptized. Absolutely. Okay? There's no question that. Faith, you know, uh, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Okay? Um, I would say, tell me of a situation where someone has faith and isn't baptized. Okay. Well, that's a special one. And I'll let Jesus handle that one because Jesus said he was going to be in heaven. I mean, he did. Jesus, Jesus said directly he's going to be in heaven. So, Okay, so yes, does it, does it happen? I would say probably not as often as you think, okay? Um, obviously, our unborn children or any, absolutely right. So faith creates that, but here, here, here would just be my, just take this one thing away from, from what I'm saying, okay, is that this is why you don't want to put off, or why would you want to put off the baptism of your children for too long, okay? Or once you've kind of come to faith as a Christian, um, you know, there was a problem in the early church where people were waiting to be baptized until they were 30 or 33 years of age, because they wanted to be as close to Jesus' age as possible. There's another problem in the early church where people would wait for baptism until their deathbed because they wanted to make sure that the majority of their sins <laughs> were covered by baptism. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You can read a lot of history on this. I, it was deathbed baptisms. That was, it was a real problem in the church for many, many years. Okay, Faith always grasps, true faith, God's promises. So where faith is... Faith now is going to say, I want that, right? I want those plantation shutters that block the convection, the radiation, and the conduction in the windows. I want baptism which does all that for me free of charge. And so I'm going to get that. So for somebody to say, I'm a Christian and I have faith, but I'm going to let my kids decide what they want to do with baptism. Or I'm not quite sure yet. When I get there, then I'll, I'll get baptized, okay? Um, so... Scripture makes an emphasis on baptism. That's all I would emphasize to you. And can you be saved without it? Yes, you can. And I think God's a gracious and merciful God for doing that. I think that's a wonderful thing for all the reasons you mentioned. So, um, yeah. I'm going to hear about this at home. I didn't answer it very well. All right, any questions on that? We got about oh, one minute. My watch is over. That clock, we got one minute. Anything else? Let's finish the last two paragraphs here, and then we're done. The small catechism asks, do you have that up there? Let's read it together. How can water do such great things? I mean, that's the question, right? And the, here's the good, let's go with the answer. Water certainly doesn't do it, but the word of God, which is with and in the water, and faith, which trusts such word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is mere water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism that is a water of life, rich in grace 
and a bath of the new birth and the Holy Spirit. Last paragraph and then we're done. This must not be taken to mean that while the water happens to be there, it might just as well not be there. Imagine that the word does everything by itself apart from baptismal water. Rather, God's baptismal word works through the water, not apart from it. Baptism is the water-in-word bath. Therefore, faith trusts such word of God in the water, not simply some word of God in general apart from the baptismal water. For this reason, the formula of Concord specifically rejects this proposition, that the water of baptism is not a means whereby the Lord God seals the adoption of sons and works regeneration. Okay? So God uses means to give and convey all these things and uses simple, regular old water. Doesn't matter whether it's softened, purified, dirty, whatever. Um, when the word of God is attached to it, it's a baptism. Same thing with bread. We could, we could probably pretty much use almost any type of bread. We know with the Passover, they probably used unleavened bread. But are you ready for this? Jesus doesn't specifically say to use unleavened bread either. Does he? He took bread, he took the cup. So I'm going to say in, in the most simple trust in his word that when you've got the cup and you've got the bread that's there, the word of God does the work. Okay? And the most important thing is that it's this bread, this cup, and that's why we set that out on the altar so that you know this, this bread and wine right here, okay, is the word spoken over. And when we need more, we get more and we speak the word of God over it in the same place so that you're not confused, okay, so that you know, hey, I know the word of God's been applied. Here's a means of grace for me, okay? And that's why us pastors put robes on. We don't have to do that. I could wear my, my camo and my hunter orange, make it really quick to get back out to the deer blind. And I could stand up there and do my job. But we put a vestment on to cover up who we are because now the Lord works through the means of his word. So when the pastors say, I forgive you, it's Christ speaking. And you're not focusing on Pastor McKay's, you know, camo outfit or whatever. Okay? Uh, it's Christ. So means now through his word, absolution, confession, absolution. Okay? All right, we're good. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for your time and attention today. If I didn't answer all your questions, uh, good luck with that. No, I'm joking. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it later. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before I give you a blessing real quick, uh, we've got, I don't think they're here at Bible class, Mr. and Mrs. Glenn and Carol Staup will be taking their confirmation vows here at the 1045 service. Spent the last 20 or 30 years in the Episcopal Church, and uh, the Lord worked mightily upon them through his word. And uh, they've concluded catechism, and uh, we'll be joining our faith fellowship here. So if you're late service people, make sure you find them afterwards to welcome them uh, here to our church. Peace be with you. Amen.